It's Friday, December 27th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. But today, we're going to talk mostly about money. If you're looking to make a fresh start, knowledge is power. New year, new you, right? And what better way to start fresh than with your wallet? Today, we're going to take a look at the big finance stories of the past year and explain how they affect your money as we head into 2020. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. One of the biggest economic stories of the year was the U.S.-China trade war. The U.S. and China are the two largest economies in the world, and they're also major trading partners. So when they do things like impose tariffs on hundreds of billions of dollars of goods traveling between them, those ripple effects can be felt everywhere from your wallet to Wall Street. Quick recap. President Trump has claimed that bad trade deals and unfair Chinese policies have cost the U.S. big time. He's also complained about the U.S. trade deficit with China. A trade deficit is when a country imports more than it exports. Not everyone agrees that a trade deficit is bad for the economy. But Trump does think so and sees tariffs as a path toward ending the trade deficit with the EU, Mexico, and Canada, and most of all, China. The first shot in the trade war with China started in early 2018. That's when the Trump administration ordered a 30% tariff on solar panels and washing machines. And China clapped back with its own tariffs on $34 billion of U.S. goods. Later, China also filed a challenge with the World Trade Organization alleging that the solar panel tariff was in violation of trade rules and was hurting China's trade interests. That back-and-forth retaliation dance went like that for months, with the Trump administration announcing new rounds of tariffs and China announcing that it would do the same. But the whole time, the hope has been that the tariffs would push China to make a deal. At the root of this, the Trump administration also wants China to change how it does business. The U.S. claims that Chinese firms are stealing U.S. intellectual property like patents, or are forcing U.S. businesses to hand over their technology in order to do business in China. Earlier this month, the Trump administration announced that it's reached phase one of a trade deal with China. But economists have warned that trade wars like this can have negative effects on American consumers and American businesses, even if there's a trade deal on the horizon. Some of the goods that have been impacted by the trade war are everyday household items like food, clothing, and electronics, as well as machinery and chemicals. When it comes to raising tariffs, they're generally paid by whoever's importing the goods, which means that extra cost can sometimes be passed down to you. That's why some people call tariffs taxes. Trade wars can also have a huge impact on consumer confidence, and not in a good way. If people start seeing prices rise on things they used to spend less on, then they might be less likely to say, go shopping. And news of a trade war may make people feel uncertain and therefore fearful. They might start pulling back on spending to keep their budget in check. And when consumers aren't spending money, that's not great for the economy. Overall, the stock market doesn't really like trade drama. So as trade wars drag on, you might see your investments start to make moves. But silver lining, trade wars like the one with China are part of the reason the Federal Reserve lowered interest rates this year. Remember, Interest rates, a.k.a. the federal funds rate, are set by the Federal Reserve. That's the U.S. central bank in charge of keeping the economy stable. 
When the Fed increases interest rates, that's a sign that it thinks the economy is strong. Signs they look for are strong job numbers and housing numbers. But when the economy's not doing too great, the Fed will lower interest rates. That means that it costs less to borrow money. So the Fed hopes that people will spend more, borrow more, and keep the markets moving. The Fed lowered interest rates for that very reason, after the Great Recession hit in 2008. But then they didn't do it again until this year, when the Fed lowered the interest rate three separate times. From July to October, the interest rates were cut by a combined three-quarters of a percentage point, which sounds small but makes economists think. Even so, after the third cut in October, the Fed's chair, Jerome Powell, insisted that this isn't a bad sign, that the economy's doing fine. Today, we decided to lower the interest rates for the third time this year. We took this step to help keep the U.S. economy strong in the face of global developments and to provide some insurance against ongoing risks. Still, this move makes some economists nervous because changing up interest rates like this can send mixed messages. If you have a glass-half-full attitude, then you might believe Powell when he says the economy is okay. And you might do what the Fed wants you to do. Take out more loans and spend more money. You know, keep the economy moving. But if you have a glass-half-empty attitude, then you might look at history and think that the Fed is cutting interest rates because it's worried about the future of the economy. That might make you nervous, and maybe you won't take out that loan. Instead of spending money, maybe you'll save it, which is the opposite of what the Fed wants you to do. So the Fed took kind of a gamble, and only time will tell whether that risk pays off. But that risk meant that cutting interest rates was a big drama in the financial world this year. For what it's worth, the Fed basically said in October, we're not gonna do this again for a while. But if so, that's a sign that the economy might be strong enough to get us through trade wars and any other economic downturns happening around the world. Finally, a look back at the U.S. economy in 2019 wouldn't be complete without a look at the unemployment rate. The great and powerful Fed doesn't have a lot of rules that it lives by. But one of the rules it does have is trying to hit maximum employment, basically making sure everyone in the U.S. has a job if they want one. That is a really tough task. In other countries, that's basically impossible. Take South Africa, where millions of young people in their 20s and 30s are looking for jobs that just don't seem to be there. The unemployment rate in South Africa is at 29%. Really bad news. Unemployment rates have sometimes been a challenge for the U.S. too. Back in the Great Recession of 2009, unemployment hit 10%. And it took until 2016 to get it to a less drastic rate of below 5%. In September of this year, it dropped to a cool 3.5%, the lowest it's been since 1969 when the average house price was a cool $28,000 and when astronaut Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon. And President Trump is really proud of this. Here he was this month at a rally in Michigan predicting that he'll have an easy time getting reelected just by reading out unemployment numbers. When I'm on the debate stage with one of these characters and they try and say negative stuff, and I'll just say, well, here's the story. In the history of our country, this group's doing the best, and that group's doing the best, and the women are doing the best, and everybody's doing And frankly, you know what it is? The whole country's doing the best, okay? Historically speaking, 
The U.S.'s low unemployment rate in 2019 is unqualified good news. But there are always qualifications. And for unemployment, there are some potentially big caveats. One of them is that the unemployment rate doesn't factor in the number of people who've given up looking for work. After the Great Recession put a big squeeze on jobs, a lot of older workers in particular found it difficult to get work. They had qualifications and experience and a hunger to work, but many also had expectations of a certain type of salary. So younger workers without the same salary expectations and who employers might consider a better culture fit maybe got the job instead. Another thing the unemployment rate doesn't capture is the quality of a job. Take wages. Over the last few years, hourly wages have been steadily rising. But over the course of 2019, that growth kind of stalled. And when you factor in inflation, basically the rate at which things get more expensive over time and makes your money worth less, you may be getting less bang for your buck than you would have 50 years ago. Plus, with health insurance being super expensive for some and daycare and college and rent really expensive too, just being employed doesn't necessarily mean you've made it in America. So when you hear unemployment rates are really low, that's not a lie. But remember, it's just one part of a much larger picture. And if you're already employed, that low rate can be good for you. Since companies want to retain talent, it might be a good time to ask for a raise or a good time to scope out a new job since companies are looking. Basically, the ball's in your court. So what's the skim? There was a lot of great news for the economy and your wallet in 2019. From the historically low unemployment rate to rising incomes and a strong stock market. For people looking to borrow more, the Fed lowering interest rates can be a huge plus. But alongside those headlines, we've also seen some not so great news, like seemingly endless trade wars that can affect prices and consumer confidence, and a slow growing global economy. Heading into 2020, lots of economists have been on the lookout for signs that the U.S. is headed for another recession. It's not clear that we're there yet, but some of the things people will be looking for are whether that low unemployment rate rises, whether the housing market slumps, and the outcome of trade wars with other countries. Which means, expect a lot of the stories that were huge in 2019 to come up again in the new year. For more on how all the big stories we talked about today affect your wallet, head on over to theskim.com money. And that's all for Skim This. Thank you so much for listening, and we'd love for you to rate and review us online. A lot of news happens over the weekend, so to catch up first thing on Monday, sign up for our morning newsletter at The Daily Skim at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.